Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monosa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about Mark of Athena, chapters 49 through 52, the final chapters. We're at the end. We made it. I loved this book, but I didn't, I remembered liking it a lot more than I did. Yes. Me too. I think that's like, we'll, we'll get to that with like our overall thoughts, but I agree. I love this book, but also I loved it more the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. The second time, like kind of analyzing it more, I'm like, plot hole, plot hole, <laughs> unnecessary adventure. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you telling me that analysis actually ruins books? You know, sometimes, but I would argue that our analysis of PJO made me like that series more though because yeah. I feel like I caught things that I was like oh my gosh that's so much so I don't think it always ruins things but it definitely has that has that power I think it's not just analysis this is definitely like a second read through for me yes. and you right and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when I read this it was kind of fever- I'm definitely excited to read the next one because I read that too. in like a feverish rage because I like had it pre-ordered and I forgot about it and it showed up at my dorm and I just, like, ignored everyone for, like, a whole day. Just so I was like, where are they? Where are my mm-hmm. children? And there's just a lot more Percy and Annabeth. Like, there's a good amount of them in this book. But in House of Hades, like, every other narrator is either Percy or Annabeth. Which I guess is also in this. But I don't know. It's just, you know, more angst. Yeah, and also, when they're separate, it's also important. In this one, like, the only plot is moving in mostly Annabeth and Percy. Yes. In that one, you also have movement in Jason and, uh, who's the other one? Uh. Uh. (laughs) We'll find out, I guess. I think it's Hazel. Hazel, maybe? Hmm. But Leo's also, I think there's, like, a lot more narrators in the next one. I think, because Leo oh. has this whole Calypso thing. Oh, that's Jason's true. in it because of the weird scene where Nico is outed. Spoilers, I guess. Um, and then Hazel, I think, is in it, too, because she has her whole magic plot line. So I think there's five narrators in the next one. Oh, so they, they have room to make it. Like, he made sure there was room to make a useless narrator be inserted in there. Yeah. Okay, there goes my theory. But anyway, we'll get to all of that after we finish this dramatic end because it's yes. it's it's a lot. Um, Annabeth fights Arachne in the best way she knows how, and we end with the world's most infuriating cliffhanger that I'm really excited for you guys to to hear us talk about. Yes. So I'm starting off with Annabeth chapters 49 and 50. So chapter 49 starts off with Annabeth freaked the fuck out. And she's also tired of being freaked out. She's like, okay, it's now it's time to use the brain cell. I have custody. (laughs) Might as well make use of it. Arachne is moving slowly towards her, clearly enjoying torturing Annabeth. And knowing that with her hurt ankle and like all the obstacles in her way, she can't really get away. Annabeth knows that she's no match physically for Arachne. So she decides to use their like, like shared fatal flaw hubris which I'm really excited to talk about this this episode because I feel like bringing that back full circle it's such a theme I was realizing too I my sister just edited I think our our episode two 
two times ago when the last Annabeth part where she like went through and went down on the journey to find Arachne and I was like wow both of us are really exercising our hubris um, muscle because both of us are like this sounds easy (laughs) we could do it we could go into a dark pit alone (laughs) we're like why don't why don't like that's all you just have to weave (laughs) as someone who like only knows the basic of like (laughs) Hemming, like that, and like a bit of crochet. I don't think I can make a ladder out of I can't string. Even. I tried to hem, I can't even hem. I tried to hem a dress recently. And like, side note to that, it was also while I had COVID, so <laughs> I had a fever. And I cut it, and it was atrocious. I'll, I'll have to show you. The dress is so uneven now, I have oh, no. to throw it away. It was kind of funny in retrospect. <laughs> okay, so... Annabeth, you know, hubris, she goes over to the Roman tapestries that are hanging up and she admires Arachne's work aloud. She's like, oh, it's such a shame that no one else gets to see this amazing work. Um, You know what? Like, I wish it could be put in a museum. And then she kind of hints, wait, Annabeth is in charge of redesigning Olympus and this work would look fabulous in the throne room. Arachne's a bit thrown off. She's kind of marveling at the idea, and Annabeth leans into it. She claims that Athena was a hypocrite for not liking Arachne's work, even though the gods bully each other all the time. But when Arachne does it, like, she's punished for eternity. Annabeth then launches into her story of the last time she saw Minerva and was essentially disowned, because, you know, a lie is always stronger when it's built around a bit of truth. So she admits aloud she believes Arachne is the best, and... Also, like, she doesn't mind shaming and punishing Athena because Athena sucks, according to Annabeth. And it's also a shame because Annabeth is going to die, so no one will ever hear a child of Athena say it aloud. Arachne's freaking out a little bit, a dilemma on what to do. She tells Annabeth to stay still while she thinks because the foundation of the floor is cracking after centuries of decay coming up from Tartarus. Basically, the hate that is radiating from Tartarus is cracking the floor, which is like, I love that energy. Imagine just being so just full of anger that you're cracking buildings. Incredible. (laughs) Is Tartarus a girl boss? Tartarus is a girl boss. (laughs) If the ground were to open, Annabeth would be sent straight to Tartarus. Annabeth tells Arachne to just kill her because it'd be too complicated and silly to try to get Arachne's work to Tartarus, which just baits Arachne further. Annabeth asks for headshots and a formal audition, so on Daedalus' laptop, she shows Arachne a contraption she has been working on for Frank. It's our Chinese finger trap to basically explain the mechanism when the poor boy came and asked Annabeth for an explanation. And she tells Arachne to build a larger version to show the gods. It will take a lot of strength, more than Arachne makes in a year. So Annabeth innocently suggests Arachne unravel (laughs) the silk on the Athena Parthenos and use that. Arachne's still suspicious, but she's fully bought into it. Um, And she can't really refuse the challenge, so she starts unraveling the statue. Alright, chapter 50. Annabeth starts feeling the ambrosia she ate earlier slowly start repairing her leg, but it's gonna take a long time and the pain is just as bad as it was before. Arachne and her children work together to unravel the statue, which seems to radiate power. So much. It's like the opposite, but also the same as Tartarus, where it's like holding on to whatever feelings mortals have put onto it, 
for centuries. It's like remembers all the years of prayers and worship. So it's radiating that power. And um, it's radiating so much power that the smaller spiders start retreating when they see it. The statue grows brighter and brighter and Annabeth can clearly see around her now. She sees the bones of Arachne's previous victims and meals and she actually actually sees how fragile the marble flooring is below them. Annabeth silently pleads with the statue-mother combo to wake up and help her, but the floor starts cracking more, probably because the monsters below are attracted to the statue's energy, which is like... I thought it was kind of interesting because that does that mean that when monsters come after the demigod children, they're coming after the godly part, right? And the godly part mm-hmm. is associated with mortals, prayer, and worship. So mm-hmm. if you're like a cult leader, do monsters come for you? Because you have maybe like a similar worship energy in this world. Um. I feel like they should. <laughs> if you're a cult leader, monsters should come for you. Um, Actually, the monsters <laughs> is the friends you meet along the way to becoming cult leader. The monsters are actually in the cult. Yeah. <laughs> While Arachne works, Annabeth tries to figure out what her actual escape plan is. She knows kind of where she's going with this, but how is she going to get the statue and move out of there is her real question. Um, while she does this, she has kind of like how similarly Percy had a, what the, what, what is the point of all of this and are gods even good moment? She has it herself. She starts questioning her mother. She's like, what if Arachne is the better weaver? Like, she's like, no, no, that was not the point of the story. The point of the story was Arachne was boastful and prideful. Um, and that's never good. You should never put yourself above the gods because it's a lesson that there's always going to be someone out there who's better than you. So you should never have that like unashamed pride. But at the same time, Annabeth, who is like the most prideful person is like, (laughs) is a bit extreme to be turned into a monster for the rest of eternity. Just because like you said, your tapestry was better than some other woman's, you know, Mm -hmm. but she's like, I can't think about this too much or else I'm going to get stuck. So she moves on and Arachne finishes the trap and Annabeth examines it, examines it critically. She crawls in, and because of her excellent and exact measurements, she's able to crawl out. Tells Arachne there's actually a flaw in the middle. She needs to go inside and take a look. Arachne looks inside and sees obviously no flaw, but when she tries to remove herself, she finds herself completely stuck. She can't go forward and she can't move backwards. Annabeth explains that these are Chinese handcuffs, and now the spider is trapped. The spider is super angry, but Annabeth reminds her, she's like, you're going to kill me anyway. Like, we actually didn't have any kind of deal. And Arachne accidentally kind of admits it. She's like, yeah, you're Athena's kid. I was going to kill you anyway. (laughs) So they're kind of at this impasse where they both were like, well, you caught me. (laughs) So now Annabeth has um, Arachne trapped. So she's able to kind of relax a little bit and take her time to try to figure out what she wants to do, which is contact her friends. But as she does... You know, her fatal flaw takes over. Her hubris. She boasts that to Arachne. She's like, all I actually wanted was the statue. And Arachne's like, oh, okay. And she could have left it there. And honestly, if she she had, this entire book would have been very Mm -hmm. different. But she starts boasting. She starts making it a thing. She's like, actually, you know what? Fuck your tapestries. I'm going to show my mom off. You know, your worst enemy, she's the one who deserves to be in Olympus, in the center. Your tapestries will never be seen and just 
really rails on Arachne's stupid artwork. Arachne starts thrashing around, making the floor start cracking, and starts just shooting silk randomly out of her butt. Her little spider children come swarming in, and Arachne manages to hit Annabeth with some, like her weird, at this point it's like a weird cone head, like a dog, because she's stuck, and causing her to fall on her foot again. Annabeth is being tapped by little spiders, and she's got silk all over her, and she knows that this is the end. She thinks about Percy and apologizes to him, and in that moment, the chamber ceiling explodes. So, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this, basically, (laughs) since it's only two chapters. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like that, like, finally, and it matches up that it is Annabeth who does it for us, but, uh, like... Finally, we have a quest that is solved using some critical thinking. This is like specifically at the space food that Percy uses in PJO that just apparently works. I'm just a grudge against that forever. Not a thought was used. It was all like, like there was a thought, but it was absolutely intrusive and should have been shut down. I'm so excited to see that in the show. I know. Everyone's going to be like, what the hell is that? I'm going to be like raving in the corner because it's, it's a freaking space food. That's space what it is. <laughs> this one, she's like, okay. She watch her think about it critically though, too. Mm-hmm. When In PJO and through Percy's perspective and also Leo's perspective, to be honest, these <laughs> boys are just like, mm-hmm. I have a plan. And suddenly their plan happens. Annabeth like mm-hmm. lays it out for the reader. She's like, okay, I can't take her on physically. I can't do this. I have this information. I need this. Like X. X, Y, and Z. Okay, let's put together slowly. Let's keep getting her to talk. Let's do all of this stuff. So you kind of see the way her mind is working in that way. Whereas Percy is just suddenly like, and then suddenly he appears. And I'm like, oh my god, okay. Because <laughs> he's improving it the entire time. Rick really does write Annabeth well. Like, <laughs> such as crap we give. He can't write the other women very well, but no. Annabeth, he, he does. Well. You can tell he really loves Annabeth and the other women. Mm-hmm. He's like, I guess they're here for diversity. Pretty much. <laughs> I loved the idea, like, since we've been, like, making a theme of, like, Fatal Flaw and been talking about it so much on this podcast that Annabeth's downfall really is her fatal flaw she's been Mm -hmm. warned of it since the second book and then that's what takes her down but then percy's fatal flaw which Mm -hmm. he's been warned about also takes him down quite literally quite literally and i just i love it it's a chef's kiss wow it's incredible yeah oh percy and annabeth are clearly the favorites of rick and everyone else and i'm okay with that I think it helps when the author and you are on the same page on who the best character is, because or else it just kind of becomes um, sad when your favorite character is just slowly written more worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do the last two chapters. So I got Annabeth and then Leo. We're going to start off with Annabeth, 51. So the roof of the cavern collapses and a bunch of cars that had been in parking garages tumble down, only failing to destroy the Athena Parthenos because of its magic, which I was like, unlike the original statue, which just freaking burned down. Like, where'd this one get its magic? I'm just, I don't Athena know. Athena got embarrassed, so she's like, okay, I'll protect the copy now that I know yeah. that the original was so easily destroyed. Yeah, she's like, that's really embarrassing for me. <laughs> So in an attempt to avoid getting smushed by a car, Annabeth twists her bad foot again, which doesn't bode well for uh, the outcome of this novel for her. 
She sees Arachne fall through the floor, screaming into, into the girl boss of Tartarus, but the Parthenos remains undamaged. Annabeth is covered in cobwebs, but the army of spiders has disappeared along with Arachne and all her tapestries, including the one of herself and Percy, which crumbles to dust, which makes Annabeth kind of sad to see. But then she notices the Argo too descend and Percy calls for her. Despite the pain in her foot, Annabeth stands and takes an assessment. Her backpack is gone. Her bronze knife is gone. The, the one that she, like, killed Kruk with, so... Mm. so I guess Kruk killed himself seven. with. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of a big... A big deal. I feel like it's like a loss of her her childhood, her sense of self. But Annabeth honestly doesn't care about all that stuff as long as she's alive and she's with Percy, which seems to be the theme of these two in this book and onwards. Annabeth wonders if the chasm really led to Tartarus or if Arachne was lying, if Arachne is actually falling to Tartarus right now, and the thought makes her a bit sad. She's like, the spider was a talented artist who... Like, she, even in the last chapter, already thought that the punishment of being stuck as a spider for eternity was, like, bad enough. But having to also be in Tartarus, she feels bad. She has some empathy for the spidey. Annabeth thinks that it's too harsh a fate, despite how the spider treated her. Percy reaches her and embraces her and tells her, it's okay, we're together. The others gather around them, too, and Annabeth attempts to explain all the terror that she faced while her friends listen in amazement. They agree that they need to take the statue to Greece because it will somehow stop the giants, and Leo thinks that they can probably get it through the bay doors in the stable. I was like, so much for that being, like, the hookup spot on the boat. Imagine going there for privacy and, like, Athena's just like, hello, and her giant scary statue. Percy and Annabeth specifically, Percy's like, that's my mother-in-law. Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, hey, Athena, can I call you mom? <laughs> The others then fill Annabeth in on what happened with them and how they found Nico and also the whole problem of the doors of death having a side that's in Tartarus that somebody needs to close. The chasm seems to respond when Nico says the word Tartarus, uh, which just Annabeth is like, oh, so it does actually lead there. And soon it groans and then the statue begins to fall and tilt towards it. They all rush to secure the statue and also to get it on the boat because the floor is definitely not stable and nobody wants to end up in Tartarus. And then they all happily get on the boat and rescue the statue and all is well. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so actually, Nico just about reaches the ladder when suddenly a sharp pain shoots out of Annabeth's bad leg and she stumbles. But she's kind of lost a lot of feeling in her leg, so she can't really tell what's going on. She just knows she's falling. She tries to walk towards the ladder, but instead her legs sweep out from under her and she falls on her face. Hazel notices what's wrong from her place on the ladder. She says, her ankle, cut it! And Annabeth is in a lot of pain and is at first like, you want to cut my ankle off? Like, excuse me? But then she realizes what's wrong. Annabeth's ankle is entangled in silk, which is pulling her back towards the pit. Nico and Hazel are both trying to help, as both weren't, aren't on the boat yet, and they were, like, just on the ladder, but Annabeth is dragged towards the pit. Percy can't reach Riptide without letting go of Annabeth, so, like, to cut the, the silk off her ankle, so instead he just grabs Annabeth and begins to slide over the edge with her. Dangling over the void, with Percy gripping a ledge about 15 feet below the top of the chasm, Annabeth hears a voice. 
And it's uh, her favorite little bee voice saying, no escape, I go to Tartarus, you will come too. And now we are going to have a little special performance for you all because this scene is just so good. And I was like, I don't want to just read this on my own. So uh, courtesy of some of our other podcasting friends, please welcome a little snippet from Erica from Seaweed Brain and Robert, who was on our episode during Set of Neptune and runs the damn meme page. Meme page. Um, they will be playing the parts of Percy and Annabeth in this dramatic reading. Annabeth's leg felt like it was pulling free of her body. Pain washed everything in red. The force of the underworld tugged at her like dark gravity. She didn't have the strength to fight. She knew she was too far down to be saved. Percy, let me go. You can't pull me up. His face was white with effort. She could see in his eyes that he knew it was hopeless. Never. He looked up at Nico, 15 feet above. The other side, Nico. We'll see you there. Understand? Nico's eyes widened, but- Leave them there. Promise me. I, I will. Below them, the voice laughed in the darkness. Sacrifices, sacrifices. beautiful sacrifices to wake the goddess. Percy tightened his grip on Annabeth's wrist. His face was gaunt, scraped and bloody, his hair dusted with cobwebs, but when he locked eyes with her, she thought he had never looked more handsome. We're staying together. You're not getting away from me. Never again. Only then did she understand what would happen. A one-way trip. A very hard fall. As long as we're together. She heard Nico and Hazel still screaming for help. She saw the sunlight far, far above. Maybe the last sunlight she would ever see. Then Percy let go of his tiny ledge and together, holding hands, he and Annabeth fell into the endless darkness. Thank you. Big shout out to Erica and Robert for helping us out with that. And I will put all of their social media stuff in the episode description so you can check out their podcasts and give them a shout out for being incredible, incredible voice talent. (laughs) Really bring um, these, the scene to life for us. Mm -hmm. So back to what we were talking about earlier with Percy's fatal flaw really Mm -hmm. being his downfall. I mean, at the same time, though, I will argue that even though it's his fatal flaw, it also saves him and Annabeth. Yeah, because I don't think she would have. I don't think either of them would have lived on their own. Like they're no. both very powerful. Um, I feel like we've just abandoned. Like this whole this podcast will have spoilers for all of here, like I Heroes know, of so Olympus. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like you you've probably read the whole thing by now. If not, <laughs> oops. But. Yeah, I don't think either of them would have lived without without the other's help. Yeah. Just the emotional trauma. I mean, Nico really, Nico is really the most powerful. Like, he and did it all truly. by himself. And also, I mean, to be fair, though, I feel like Nico's morality, he's a okay with kind of being that gray section sometimes. Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, Annabeth was really necessary not only for the brain cell, but she was good at bringing Percy back to... yeah morally good because he could have easily crossed that threshold especially because he was already this entire like last three books he's been or two books that he's been here he's been filled with so much anger yes Mm -hmm. so that anger really comes out when he's put in an even worse situation and annabeth is kind of like hey we're alive we're together like reinforcing that please come back to being sane once again, even without the curse of Achilles, she's his tie to the mortal uh, world. Oh, beautiful. 
And I mean, I think he does a similar thing for her. Yeah. Like, there are definitely moments in the next book where she's she's the lost one and he has to help her. So it definitely goes both ways. But Nico is just, like, in touch with his darkness. He's like, I "I was molded in it. (laughs) I was born from the darkness. Percy gets a little taste of his own darkness in House of Hades, and Nico's like, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I can do, and just makes the skeleton dance. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I eat McDonald's with the dead, so. <laughs> I have Hardcore a cape. as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But that chapter is so good. I just so think it's, it's, I think it's the best chapter in the whole book. It's just yeah. so well done. Like, you feel this sense of relief when the others come, but you kind of know, like, something might go wrong because it feels a little too easy, and then, like, when she starts to get pulled back, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, it's so good. So good. And then Leo ruins it. It should have been the last chapter I know. of the book. It really I know. Have. I feel like it's even summarizing this, I was like, Leo, get out of here. I wanted to fully end on the cliffhanger. I wanted that. I mean, I didn't, but I did. So I guess I'll just summarize the Leo chapter real quick. Um, Leo chapter 52. Leo ruins the vibe. <laughs> That's how I feel reading this. Leo and the gang are all shook by what happened, but at least they have the statue. He thinks that perhaps in his deal with Nemesis, getting the Archimedes spear, that this was the price he had to pay, like his friends falling into Tartarus, but... Um, he, like, kind of mentions this to Hazel, and she's like, no, this is Gaia's fault. This has nothing to do with you, Leo. It's not about you, Leo. And Leo's like, oh. And then Nico and Hazel, with their weird death powers, confirm that Percy and Annabeth aren't dead yet. So the gang knows that they are alive. They're on their way to Tartarus. Long fall. And that they, the only thing they can do now is get to the other side of the doors and of death and close it, which is what Percy asked Nico to do as he was, like, falling. And they just gotta hope that Percy and Annabeth can survive and find the entrance in Tartarus and close that. They know they're, like, two of the most powerful demigods, especially together, so they're all trying to be hopeful. The Archimedes Sphere allows Leo to upgrade the ship with all the weapons and tech they'll need, and so with determination, they decide to find the House of Hades and close those doors. And the book ends, you know, drop in the next book title in there a few times. I love that Percy told Nico, like, he's like, of all people Mm -hmm. to be responsible in the quest, he's like, Piper and Jason are new, so Mm -hmm. is Leo doesn't really trust them. He's only yeah. Frank, he loves them, but he kind of sees them as his children. And he sees yes. Nico as his child, but he also yeah. is like the ghost king who survived Tartarus. So he respects like, Nico. Yeah. Well, and Nico was also the one, which is interesting, who like is there, like, I mean, him, Nico and Hazel are the two that like weren't fully on the boat yet, but they're the ones that run. And Nico's the one who like tries to grab Percy and hold him up too, yeah. which I mean, kind of plays into like, it's, it's, adds a different like reading when you know that Nico has spoiler feelings for Percy and so that like makes it even sadder yeah like that Nico like his he does even even at a like friendship and respect level like Percy feels like doesn't really completely trust Nico's loyalty at certain points but he trusts Nico to do this yeah and respects his powers and like we know from later on that Nico's feelings for Percy, like, romantic feelings aside, too. Like, he has a lot of, like, friendship respect for Percy Yeah, they as survived well. a war together. They were the yeah. instrumental pieces. Like, yeah. aside from Annabeth and Grover, Nico and Percy were, like, the main, especially in that last book. Yeah, like, even if Nico just lied to Percy in the last book and pretended yeah. he didn't know him, like... 
I like that in, in this time of peril, like, that's the person he knows will get the job done. And Nico also, like, respects Percy enough to let him fall, to, like, trust that he can get to the other side of the door. Which is even sadder because, like, of how much Nico respects and cares for Percy and he had to let him, oh, let him fall. Oh, mm. chills. <laughs> Incredible. Um, my notes, not to ruin the chills, but <laughs> I think that they're, they didn't have, I mean, I get that they had to fall to close the doors, but like after reading it, I'm like, Frank can fly. Jason can fly. Go get him. Yeah. And Jason does make, he does have a whole like, what is it? Like man moment where he punches the wall and he's like, I should have been there. I should have flown down. And everyone's like, this is again, you and Leo, this is not about you. But yeah, you should have. <laughs> Frank can turn into a dragon. I know. So I like, get, Jason like, may not be mm. able to hold them. Like they maybe they're both of them yeah. are too heavy. Fine, whatever. He held Festus though at one point, didn't he? Or tried to. And I think he he tried lost to. hero. He does, he holds Piper all the time. Yeah. But um, I think for both of them, maybe it was like, but Frank, Frank and Jason combined, like what's the point right. of putting them all together if they don't use their powers? Maybe they were just like, I mean, we need someone to close the doors. <laughs> well, that's what I also don't understand. It takes them a moment, right? I mean, like, yeah. it makes more sense now that we know like Nico runs over and tries to grab Percy and tries to do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if like, the others, when, I don't think, realize this is happening. Like, yeah, I think the, it just Because it's all chaos. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way. And I do way. believe, like, Tartarus definitely, like, it is an entity. It's probably pulling them. Like, if Jason or Frank had tried to save them, like, they might have gotten pulled down too. You know, Tartarus mm-hmm. is just, she's powerful. I'm calling her she's a she, she, even though I know Tartarus is a he, but, like, whatever. She's She lives on hatred. <laughs> Sounds like a girl boss to me. She houses the monsters, mother of monsters. I know guys, yeah. the mother of monsters. But yeah, like, or I, yeah, yeah. There's daddy monster. Daddy monster. Oh, God, oh God. no. <laughs> but it is one of those things that I guess they're conveniently busy at the time when this happens. Like they're both very, both Frank and Jason are flying, our flying boys are very busy. Um, Trying to like, deal with the statue. Yeah, and, and stuff. the falling cars or whatever <laughs> from know. the parking garage. I it makes sense. I think it would have been different if, like, so Hazel's the one who notices and is on top yeah. of the ladder. If Jason or Frank had been the one to actually notice what was going on, I think they would have reacted a lot faster. Maybe. I mean, Frank, I can see going into freeze mode a little bit. Yeah. But I think Jason would have tried to do something. I mean, Nico's the one who gets to them, and Nico's powerful, but he's also very malnourished. All he's been eating is (laughs) pomegranate seeds. He's like, I can hold Percy and Annabeth up, and everyone's like, you weigh 10 pounds. I know. Your your body's eating all your muscles. You're like, you are a skeleton. Yeah. Poor oh, Nico. Oh man, poor Nico. I'm so oh. excited for his solo books. Oh, same. I'm really, because there's so much like untapped like trauma <laughs> that he like really, like I'd love to get more of like him healing and I just really, you'll see it in Trials of Apollo, but I do really like uh, Nico and Will's dynamic in the like, the bits that they're in in Trials of Apollo. And so I'm excited to see their dynamic more. They're very much the, like, sunshine and grumpy trope. Mm, cute. I but, like, like they're both very, like, they're also both very powerful. It's, yeah, it's so cool. Will is child of Apollo, right? Yeah, he's, like, a healer. 
Like, his main thing is, like, he's mentioned in PJO as, like, their one medical child. Yeah, yeah. He, he does all the surgeries or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And if he's supposed to be the same age as Nico, he's at most 14 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in PJO, mm-hmm. he was also 13 or 12 yep. or whatever. Yep. Um, and he replaced whichever one of them died. One of the other child children of Apollo died. <laughs> God. Yep. I'm excited to read a Trials of Apollo. I think I'll have to read it slowly and do my mm-hmm. chapters way ahead of time. So, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to just sit and read it in one go. And then you'll forget. You'll be like, yeah. uh. <laughs> or I might have to read it and then go back and do my chapters. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll have to decide. I'll have to yeah. decide. How much work do you want to do? Yeah, exactly. It depends on like what's going on in my life at that moment. Yeah. This is probably be next year anyway. Yeah. We do have two more books of this, though. I know. And oh, and then the ones. show, too. I wow. know. We're going to be, like, 45 <laughs> doing this. <laughs> Don't say that. That's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. we have some lightning bolt questions from listeners, but I think before we do that, we could do, like, a recap on the book. Yeah. So what were your... One. I mean, I feel like we kind of did our overall thoughts. Yeah. I mean, Overall we, thoughts, I think I liked it, to reiterate, liked it better the first time I read it, but it still holds up. It's still better than The Lost Hero. I think mm-hmm. it's comparable to Son of Neptune. I think I there agree. are parts that I liked better in Son of Neptune because you have like this new camp and all of mm-hmm. these new characters and it's, that's really fun and a reintroduction of Percy. Uh, but this one, you've got Annabeth and Percy reuniting mm-hmm. and... I really wish that they had explored. I mean, there's so much going on already, I understand, but I wish Rick had removed a couple of the quests and I instead agree. focused on building that like a group dynamic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know this is not relevant to you, but it's how I felt with this, the, what is it called? The second Avengers movie too. Like people mm-hmm. don't understand like found family is such a powerful trope. And mm-hmm. if you're trying to push it and make us believe that these group of people like would die for each other you really need to build that friendship yeah you can't just have like side quests with just two of them yeah and it's like the two people that like everyone likes like Percy's obvious and Annabeth will obviously like die for each other for yeah. some reason Jason and Piper are gonna die for each other Whatever. Leo would die for anyone just for clout Frank <laughs> Leo wants the followers <laughs> he wants the followers he needs to up his Instagram game yeah but um Hazel, I don't know. Hazel might do it, but and Frank are like more morally good, so they'll mm-hmm. do it just because they're supposed to. But you wouldn't really believe that they would, besides Percy and maybe a little bit Annabeth, would they care if Jason died? I don't think so. No. <laughs> so I would have wanted a bit of a group building and then just seeing how they work as a group. Like they're so powerful when the seven of them are together. But mm-hmm. instead of, like, reinforcing that, he just keeps splitting them up and having one of them, specifically Jason, pass out. Yeah, poor yeah. Jason. Brain damage, kid. I know, poor kid. But yeah, I agree. I think some of my favorite moments in this whole series are in this book, like when Percy and Annabeth reunite and the ending and even, like, the part where Annabeth, like, drops that sword and Percy's like, you dropped this. Oh, like, yeah. Iconic moments in this book. But the overall plot... Like, there are just a lot of side quests. I honestly found, like, Son of... I was surprised in my reread of Son of Neptune how much I liked that one because... Me too. Solely, mostly, I mean, the di- the characters, but also, like, the plot is very succinct. Like, I feel like they're they're continually going towards Alaska. 
Yeah. But this one, you know, they make a stop in Atlanta and then a stop in Charleston and it feels kind of random. But yeah, I would have liked even just to have more time in in Europe. And like, I know the whole next book is in Europe and exploring all the ancient places and stuff, but... But they're separated, yeah. so it doesn't have that exactly. build-up of found family that we love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite part of this book? Oh, the reuniting. I had definitely read that so many times. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Though I will that. say, I forgot, had forgotten about her dropping her dagger until the reread, and I was like, oh my god, that's such a good scene. Right? Yeah. It's so good. They're so perfect. I think my favorite is the, the, the chapter 51 where they fall. I just think it's so good. Like, mm-hmm. I could read that part where they fall so many times. Oh. Yeah. Um, do you have a least favorite part or a part that just didn't flow as well? Um, Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, definitely her random chapter of her talking about the flood story. I was like, why? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It could have just been like a background, like, like a paragraph in her own chapter, and he made it an entire chapter instead. Yeah. Which felt useless. Mm-hmm. And um Yeah, there's a couple like Leo's at least I enjoy because Leo's funny. Mm-hmm. Even though he's like super self-deprecating and spastic, he's still funny. And you have the like him with uh, Narcissus and all that stuff, which was fun to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, least favorite part is definitely the unnecessary chapters of Piper. Some Piper chapters were good. Yeah. But the yeah. unnecessary ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think my least favorite part of this book is the love triangle, the weird oh. forced love triangle. Yeah. With- Leo, Frank, and Hazel, and that weird, the whole, like, Sammy memory on second read. Because I think the first time I read it, I thought maybe it would be more important later on. Mm-hmm. But on second read, I'm like, it's really not, like, it didn't feel, it was just, I think, to create drama yeah. that, I don't know, maybe I would have been more into it as a teen, but as an adult, I'm like, I don't, they don't need this. <laughs> they have enough drama going on with the world ending. Yeah. This is, like, not the thing that they're thinking about the most. Like, I know it kind of makes them somewhat normal teens, but then he has yeah. to add, like, the dead grandfather, great-grandfather. Yeah, that makes it a little it. weird. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, and it's a weird way to resolve it because it's, like, but Leo still did have feeling. Like, he had a crush on her. Yeah. It's not just going to go away. Yeah. Because his grandpa also had a crush. Or his great-grandpa also had a crush. I don't know, man. It'd kill a crush from him. Quite fast, <laughs> it might make it a little weird. Yeah. To each their own. Yeah. Okay, so we got a good amount of questions from listeners that sent us ones that were, like, specific to this book. Um, Let's start off. We have an audio message from Taylor. Taylor sent us a voice message with a question that I think was relevant to, like, the beginning of this book, but we missed it. And so now we will play it. Hello, my name is Taylor. I'm a long-time listener of your podcast. My question is about how Percy was angry with Leo about um, crashing the ship, even though it was Gia who was taking over his body. I mean, usually you see Percy as a guy who doesn't harp on other people's mistakes and makes them or reassures everybody about their mistakes, especially with Grover and the first uh, Percy Jackson series. So I'm just wondering how you guys felt about him being angry with Leo. I didn't necessarily like that side of him. So I just wanted to get your opinion. Thank you. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I felt like it was really inconsistent with Percy's personality that he's built up for the last five to six books coming mm-hmm. up to that moment. So it kind of aligns with the same Percy and Jason trying to sit at the head of the table at the same time. It seems like both what we little we know about Jason, Jason would not care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Percy does not care for sure. And so Le- uh, Percy is also someone who's very forgiving of most people, but I think it's a mixture of like Percy has a lot of trauma and so Mm -hmm. he's also just like a hormonal teenager. So he's maybe a bit more angrier than he was when he was 12. But also I think it lines up with my theory that at that point those spirits, I don't remember what they're called. The Edelons. Yeah, they were already in Percy, Jason, and Leo at this point. Are the Edelons just like... (laughs) A metaphor for hormones. <laughs> They're just for your uh, impulsive, rude thoughts, I think. Yeah. And so yeah. Percy, they were like, the way that they're described too is like immediately when they leave, they don't notice that they're there, but when they leave, they suddenly feel a lot calmer and like mm-hmm. less like a hot rod has been stuck in their brain. Mm-hmm. So I think it also, even if the, the Edelons aren't controlling them, I like the idea that it just makes everyone a bit angrier and a little bit more competitive it's like a horcrux yeah exactly exactly yeah i like that i think too like it could be you know percy's been through a lot in his separation and he finally got what he's been wanting like annabeth to be there and maybe peace between the camps and then suddenly this kid who he's never met before fires on the camps and it's like probably just fully triggers all that anger because he's like oh, it's all going to go away, like a moment of relief. And then he's like, oh, shit, this is all going to go away. But yeah, I also think it seems out of character for how we know Percy. But also with Percy's trajectory, like in the next book, there's definitely like a dark side of Percy because of all his unresolved PTSD and all that stuff he's been through. Then maybe that's like the early hints of it too. Yeah. Also, you can't imagine like as much... I think Percy is sunshiny and goofball-y <laughs> to an extent that, yeah. like, it allowed him not to be so jaded so early on as, like, I think other people, like, Luke got jaded quite quickly, whereas it's been, mm. way, like, slowly eating at Percy. And so it's slow, yeah. it's slower because he has that, like, goofball defense already. Yeah. <laughs> but for sure, uh, at this point, it's going to be pretty tattered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, thanks, Taylor, for that question, by the way. Yeah, I thank love you, Taylor. audio questions because we get to hear it's your so voice fun. and you get to hear you kind of expand on the question, too. Um, this next question is so cute. It's like, would you jump into Tartarus after anyone? Oh, no. Harrison sent that on Instagram and I was like, oh, we're getting deep. Oh. I don't know. I know you would jump in for Peanut. You also know you'd murder everyone for peanuts, so I don't know. The I like that you point. don't say you don't say Mike. You say no, peanuts. it's peanut first. Like it's Mike, true. probably, but yeah, like, yeah, I jump, sure. I jump in after him. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people, like a lot of like friends and family, that I would begrudgingly jump. Yeah, I <laughs> like feel I'd that be too. like, fuck you, <laughs> but I'll save you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like a lot you know, of my sister. I'd be like, "Well, mom would kill me if I didn't." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's also like a rule. Like your family, we gotta do yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple of friends. I think 
and like family members and stuff that I definitely would jump into Tartarus after. More I so jump in with I you. I jump in with you too. Oh. We would be insufferable. We would survive. Yeah. I would definitely the hold would a, be like They'd be annoyed with us. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely like jump in, but then be like, you stupid bitch. I know. <laughs> why, why would you just cut? All of the, 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 didn't the string bother you? Didn't all of the spiders Didn't you soak? fucking notice? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, your leg you... doesn't have feeling? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I feel like it's a very lucky thing to be able to say. Not jump, like, jumping into TARDIS, but I have a lot of people that I love and would do that yeah. for. Yeah. It's a very yeah. lovely thing. Even if I'd hold it against them I for know. a while. <laughs> Even though it might destroy the relationship. Yeah. still very cute one i know i like that question so sophie asked two questions that i thought were really funny oh i have to read the first one because it was so funny i laughed very hard when she sent it she said also i have a question about mermaids how do they pee (laughs) and i have to tell you sophie when you sent this i was just like thinking about it all day um And I ended up getting into like this anatomy argument with my friend, uh, <laughs> who I was who was hanging out with later that day because um, I had I even pulled up like a fish anatomy chart and we were oh. debating at what point does the mermaid start and stop, mm. you know, at the tail like all of that. Because even the mermaid tail is slightly humanoid, in the yes. sense that like you know when Ariel turns human, like her legs are in the exact same space. Like, a fish's tail doesn't... They don't swim upright like that. No, they don't. But that being said, the the fish's, like, anatomy, like, I think where they produce urine, because fish do pee, um, and they're... <laughs> Thank you for that. I was curious. I was like, yeah. do they just, like, filter feed and then just also out, you know? And so then the, the <laughs> argument was basically, obviously mermaids have to poop and pee because they eat... We're assuming they're at the top of the food chain, right? And so in order for them to be on top of the food chain, they're eating other fish. They're eating other sea creatures that are solids that create waste. And so... Is that cannibalism? um, No, because fish eat other fish. fish. Yeah, Yeah, but fish eat other fish. That's true. Fish are all cannibals. Yeah, and they're here first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And basically the idea is that um, if they don't have like you know, an anus or anything like that, the only way that they're expelling waste is through their eyes, nose, and mouth, (gasps) and ears, the only other holes in their body. And that's gross, so I'd like to think that they poop like a normal fish. Oh, that's my new headcanon, Ariel, (laughs) the shits out of her eyes. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's terrifying, I don't like it. All right, well, Sophie's actually <laughs> original question, which had to do with the um, a couple of chapters ago when we had Shrimsilla asked, if you could send any monster instead of Shrimsilla, who would you choose? Oh, I feel like a good one would be like from Sea of Monsters, uh, Charybdis with the teeth oh, would be yes. pretty good because that seemed pretty hard to fight too. Mm-hmm. That would probably be my pick. I would choose the Sirens. Ooh, oh, that's yeah. good. Annabeth can't resist. We know that. We know that for sure. And like, she's at that long point, gone. I feel like Piper would also 
be curious. I'm like wondering mm-hmm. who all would listen. Leo, the sirens wouldn't Leo even would sing. Listen. No, no, no. Yeah. Leo, the sirens wouldn't even sing. The idea of sirens and women that are there yes. would cause Leo to jump off the boat. Leo would have his ears plugged, but then see a hot woman and be like, oh, I'm going. It's my new girlfriend. <laughs> oh, man. Annabeth would still listen, even though she already did. She'd Just be like, to no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn something new this time. And Percy would be like, you're not. <laughs> she would be like, We're no, I have am. more trauma together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, oh, this one we got on Instagram. So, like, how, speaking of Percy and Annabeth trauma, how Arachne made that tapestry of the underwater kiss, which of your memories would Arachne have targeted and tried to ruin? Oh, my God. I was like, dark, okay. This is from Trinity? From Trinity, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't know, dude. Right? I have a lot of, like, lovely memories, but Mm -hmm. to, like, have a giant spider monster draw and then ruin, I'm not sure. Right? I, like, try to think of, like, a photo or something. Yeah, I feel like that's it would be, like, a recreation of a, of a photo that I really like. Maybe Peanut with his tongue out. <laughs> Low quality. Low quality. <laughs> um, I have a lot of photos that I loved that I, we took, I've taken over the couple years. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. What specific memory? Like, I guess this kind of shows us that we're not main characters because we have lots oh, of God. little good memories. Nothing, like, big and yeah dramatic. My favorite photo, like, my, my home screen on my phone is me and Peanut on my wedding. I was putting his bow tie on. Oh, yeah. And it's such a, like, it looks like very, and he's, like, very much standing there. It's so cute. But I don't want Arachne to do that. I don't want Arachne to make that. I mean, that's the point, right? She's going out. Do I get to take it home? (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I I was thinking about that the whole time. Annabeth was kind of low-key. was like, can we go hang this in our house? And then it gets destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, but I liked that. Why'd it have to crumble? (laughs) Fan art. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, Arachne is the number one fan. That's why she sent them into Tartarus. It was for the plot. It's for the plot, she knew. It was for the angst. She was writing fan fiction. <laughs> okay, our next question. So this one was emailed. If you were going on a quest, which two campers would you take and why? And the campers can be from either Camp Jupiter or Camp Half-Blood. And this is from Lamise. Your automatic thought would be Annabeth and Percy, right? Yeah. But... Yeah. I don't know if I want to be a third wheel. I would um, get di- very distracted by them. Yeah, I'd, I'd be like, accidentally enter a thruple. Yeah. Oh, actually, and I'd be, like, I'd, attracted yeah. to them, too. So exactly. That might, that might cause well, no, issues. that's the thing. It's, like, the thruple that uh, would break a lot of fans' hearts. I don't know if I could be that person. Yeah. They'll be yeah. like, ah, oh, Percy and with a Marissa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... Huh. Hmm. Like, Loki, all of them, and Loki, none of them, to be honest. Okay, I think I want Nico. I feel like me and Nico, like, I think that if I got close enough to Nico, I could make fun of him and we'd have a fun relationship. Yeah, I would enjoy Nico. Maybe Nico and someone who, I need someone who's a good fighter. So maybe Percy, but like, 
Mm-hmm. Part of me mm. wants to say Jason because at least he'll get oh. he'll get the job done, and I don't yeah. have to think about him very much. And maybe I can make him funny. I don't know. I could change him, Aaron. Oh, could you? <laughs> I don't have that kind of power. Hmm. See, I want to. This is hard because I'm like, I don't want it to be like a sausage fest. I don't want all boys. With I know. Me. But like Nico, I like. I feel like I'd get along with him. Yeah. And he's cool. I he honestly doesn't intimidate me. I don't want like the social dynamic. I know his powers are very cool, but like I find him so endearing and funny. Yeah. I think he wouldn't intimidate me. Um Raina intimidates me. She's out of the question. I would feel awkward. Oh um, my god, I would totally bring Raina. I'd set her up with every person I meet. You would? I would. You can It'd have Raina so and fun. Yeah. See ya. Um, but Hazel, I like her, but that's too much Hades power. That's what I We need balance. Yeah. Um, Leo would try to hit on me. That would annoy me. Um, Piper annoys me. Um, Jason would annoy me. (laughs) Maybe Percy, but I feel like Percy and Nico are both so unhinged. Yeah. Ooh, maybe you'd bring Talia and Nico. Oh, that's a good, well, I was gonna say, if you do Annabeth and Nico, you do the quest so efficiently that's true. It would be done in two pages. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I want to have. I want to at least give myself a little plot. Yeah. <laughs> I would also love to have in in Trials of Apollo. There's a character Meg, okay. who I think would be a funny presence with Nico and myself. It would be really unproductive, probably, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, you say Nico and Jason? Reina. Reina. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I, like I feel that. like she's a good fighter. Um, yeah, maybe. she Who definitely knows? is. I'll either set her up or I'll date with her, like, one of the oh, two. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. good option, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the rom-com waiting to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for sending us uh, questions. And if you have any that are specific to House of Hades, send them in now so we yes, can... Please. Hopefully put them in with the right chapter or just do them at the end of the book if we get them too late or don't notice them. So that also works, but I'm very excited to start that book. All right. We're going to be, like we said last time, we're going to take a little break to really enjoy this cliffhanger, make you all (laughs) suffer, but really also to give us a buffer for recording and let us travel a bit in the summer without, you know, getting too overwhelmed we'll be Mm -hmm. back with house of hades chapters one through eight on july 25th and would also love to do a shorter bonus episode about casting i've got a couple emails about my opinions our opinions on the casting so yeah we have a lot to say so hopefully they drop that full cast list soon and um we can get to that yeah maybe by the time that this episode comes out the full cast list will already be out and we'll just like We'll be speaking from the past. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Who knows? And in the meantime, and if you are interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is in the episode description as well as the link to send us an audio message. Our social media is at Camp Halfpod and our email is camphalfpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to give us a very nice and kind rating and review. Again, this is a shout out to Erica and Robert, and we'll Mm -hmm. see you guys soon. Bye-bye.